It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Todd Stewart. Todd graduated from Stephen F. Austin State University with a Bachelor of Science in Marketing and immediately joined Gulf Winds International in 1996. Beginning as a forklift operator, he has served with or led every department within the company, leading to his current position of president. Todd's a longtime member of the C-12 group and continues to learn how Gulf Winds International is here to serve a greater purpose and hold strongly to the biblical servant leadership model that empowers team members to grow personally, professionally, and spiritually. Todd Stewart, welcome into the corner office. Thank you for having me. Oh, gosh, it's great to hear you uh, live now. Uh, and the first time I heard you was back in May. Uh, we're both members of the C12 organization, me for just a couple of years, you for much longer. And I was so inspired by your keynote address and was so pleased when you agreed to be on our podcast. So I'm really looking forward to this to learn more about you and your company and how Christ has really played a role in you building such an incredible, uh, inspiring and, and growing organization. But let's start a little bit about the early years. Uh, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and, you know, what your early family life was like, Todd. Yeah, no, absolutely. I grew up in a very middle-class family. My father was in the shipping business for uh, mm. probably 25 years. So uh, I grew up in Atascacita here, which is northeast of Houston, just a suburb. Went to a Humble High School and graduated there and went off to Stephen F. Austin. But uh, Brothers and sisters. Uh, only yeah. Only child. Only and, child. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, both parents worked. My mother was yeah. uh, a nurse by trade. And uh, right. then, of course, my dad was in the shipping business. What were some of the early memories that you had of mom and dad, you know, early inspirations or, or things that perhaps they encouraged you to do in early age? You know, my parents were... Uh, my parents were both hardworking people, and yeah. I think uh, from early on, I knew that they both uh, cared for me and loved me. And uh, I had I was fortunate enough to have both grandparents uh, that I knew as well, so they nice. didn't live too far southeast Texas. So we just spent time uh, with family, and and obviously uh, felt like they were good parents from that standpoint. Uh, my father was not a believer, so okay. uh, he did not uh, really invest in me on that side. So. Right. Uh, my faith journey didn't start till much later. My mother had been kind of the one that walked away from faith. Uh, her dad, my grandfather, uh, was really the one that told me I needed Christ. Mm. And uh, But she was kind of the child that bucked the system a little bit and right. wound up in a relationship with a guy that didn't know the Lord. And uh, while he was a 
great provider and a, and a good father in a lot of ways, uh, we missed out on so much uh, from a spiritual perspective in those early years. But uh, God's so yeah. gracious, and we I'll talk more about how we kind of made that up in the later years. Yeah. Well, you talked about your grandfather as being an inspiration. I assume that was on your mother's side. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, he yeah. was a, he was a deacon in the Baptist Church yeah. and uh, worked for a utility company. Retired after thirty five years and literally built his own little house up in the country, uh, deep East Texas, uh, back where he was from. And they retired up there. And unfortunately, uh, not long after that, he uh, was diagnosed with lung cancer, and mm. that's really what led ultimately to uh, him talking to me about the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Who are some of the other folks that inspired you? You know, not having brothers and sisters, uh, you know, did you reach out? Were there teachers or you know, did you go to Sunday school? Was was mom and dad at all interested in that? Or as you said, I guess that came later in life. Yeah. You know, we we really went to church pretty much on Easter and, and right. Christmas with my grandparents. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I didn't have a lot of spiritual influence there. Certainly, I can right. look back at some teachers that uh, were very inspirational in my life early on and uh, some that just kind of watched me through those teenage years and sometimes informed my parents of things that <laughs> I, I shouldn't have been doing. And uh, so that was that was fun. Yeah, get the guardrails up, right? Yeah. Were you, were you a good student in school, Todd? Uh, I would say I was a, I was an above average student. Mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed being, uh, frankly, I liked being outdoors. That was always my love, being outside. Yeah. And so I played sports growing up. And so was always involved in uh, football from the time I was in mm. probably second or third grade and baseball and did track through the shot put and discus. So uh, just enjoyed sports. Really, that was yeah. kind of my uh, influences, if you will, were more my coaches. Right, uh, right. And so that side was, they invest so much in in uh, their kids, obviously, because you spend a lot of time with coaches and you're kind of you're yeah. kind of in the battle. And so I love uh, sports uh, from that perspective, just how it prepares people to go through difficulty and adversity. And Absolutely. certainly the team atmosphere there is is wonderful. And it's hard to sweat with people and go through uh, all that you go through on during two a days and that kind of stuff in the Texas heat without right. <laughs> it developing some character for sure. Absolutely. And you play all the way through high school? I did. Yeah. I did. And uh, any any dreams of playing college ball and in any of those sports that you uh, engaged with? You know, I I thought about it. Uh, I had a bit of a hiccup in my high school career that uh, sort of changed kind of the direction of where I was going. Uh, I had uh, basically my senior year. This turned out to be a great life lesson. But uh, senior year, I was competing for the starting quarterback job on the team mm. and had a really great. Uh, spring season, if you will, and felt like I did what I need to earn the job uh, through a touchdown pass. I remember in the the scrimmage game that was one of the ones when the race was getting tight. And uh, and so just felt like I'd performed well enough to get the job. And unfortunately, I did not get the job. And, yeah. and so uh, what happened was is the team wanted me to play uh, on defense. And so huh. I, wound, I wound up playing safety and my whole career, I played quarterback from the time I was in third wow. grade. So I yeah. literally had to make a massive change uh, and go to the opposite side of the ball. Hmm. Later, I had a guy that uh, I played with who wound up playing in the NFL for quite a few years who was really good. He got hurt on the offensive side of the ball. And so I remember sitting in class one day 
and uh, my coach coming and pulling me out of class and saying we were going to play our rivals that week. And these are the people right across the river that we didn't care if we won any other games. But we had to beat this team. <laughs> and so everybody's hyped up and nervous. And, and uh, he said, hey, you're going to play running back this week. And I thought, wow. goodness gracious. So really, <laughs> I turned into uh, kind of the kid that I knew all the plays, so I could really yeah. kind of jump jump from both sides yeah. of the ball. And so I kind of played that multi-purpose role, which again, as I look back, I was a little bit bitter at, at the time, but uh, reality was uh, the team needed me in different places. And right. that's really what life is all about. It's being able to change and, and move where they need you and participate in a team atmosphere. And so ultimately we, we made the playoffs and outperformed what anybody thought we would do. And uh, I remember a parent coming up to me afterwards that had a big impact on me that said, mm. you know, he just mentioned to me that he thought, you know, my contribution to the team was one of the most important of all season. We had some mm. really, really good athletes that obviously shined, but I think the fact that they could stick me in any any role and yeah, and I did position. my and I did my job was uh was something the team needed. So yeah. On one side, well, that, you know, that played out a little yeah. bit later, as we talked about in your bio. It sounds like you did it pretty did. much every job at Gulf Winds as well. So that's right. We'll get into that to a minute. W what about entrepreneurial things? Were you involved in any, uh, you know, money making schemes or extra pocket money, or did sports pretty much take up most of your time after school? Yeah, no, most of my time was spent. Uh, most of my time was spent in sports, and obviously, I did the normal things that kids did back then, which was mow the yard and uh, do the things uh, around the house. My dad right. was very much a perfectionist in a lot of ways, so I mm. used to joke that uh, I kind of had the dad that if you mowed the yard and you missed a spot, he would catch it. And so, <laughs> so yeah, I so had I, one of those dads yeah, too. <laughs> so, I, so I got I got really good at mowing and edging, and uh, you know, of course. Today you talk about mowing the yard and and washing cars and that kind of stuff and kids think think about driving to a car wash or hiring somebody to do it so things have changed for sure yeah they certainly have what were some of the jobs that you did uh, in high school anything outside the the home that uh, kept you busy or in, during college yeah I had a lot of different jobs through my teenage years mm -hmm. uh, which honestly I look back on as something that was very beneficial for me. Uh, one of my very first jobs that I had was I went to work for a paint and body shop that was mm. uh, just right down the street. They were moving. It was summertime. And so they basically hired myself and a friend to, to do the moving. And so we had a lot of crazy stories about moving just different car parts and things out of a field and from one location to another. And uh, I learned a lot from uh, the owner of that shop who frankly was paint and body shops are a little bit different. Uh, I learned probably more than I needed to know outside of just, <laughs> just work. Uh, right, right. But uh, he was very creative in a lot of ways. Mm. And I remember one one summer, that, that hot summer, we were digging a ditch. And that was my friend and I's job because they had a drainage problem. So he's like, sent his two high school kids out there to dig the ditch. And man, we were sweating and working all day trying to dig <laughs> that ditch. And he drove up and, and he drove this huge, old, beautiful, uh, bright canary yellow Bronco. And it had been all redone. It had like 38-inch tires on it, which is a big deal. And <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. as, as a kid, you know, we just we just wanted to drive it. So he said, hey, what are y'all doing out here? And so uh, we said, well, we're, we're sweating and we're digging this ditch. <laughs> and uh, he said, man, I got a great idea. And, I, and so he jumps in that Bronco. He says, get out of the way. And he puts one tire off in the ditch and he starts to, <laughs> he starts to power break and he literally digs the ditch as he's po power breaking. <laughs> so, 
so well, you know, that was a that was a great lesson though in a crazy yeah. way. Like, yes, right. this this guy's very creative and he finds different ways to do things. And so yeah. uh that was one <laughs> one job. And uh I also uh busted tables at a uh Italian restaurant that was ah. in Houston. So uh that was a great job as you learn how to serve others. Service and, industry, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. so got that was something that I look back on with uh, good memories. And uh, in college, I, I worked at a, a place called Lufkin Industries in a foundry for a little while. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually would take those forklift counterweights out of the the hot mold. And they had a whole group of people that would actually bust that stuff off of them uh, until they were clean enough to be painted. Oh, wow. And so uh, definitely had some jobs that were very diverse. Uh, very diverse, labor <laughs> intensive. Did work in the warehouse, uh, which yeah, was yeah. frankly something that I never dreamed I would do later on in life. Obviously, that we, we have a big warehouse now, but uh, I worked as a laborer in a warehouse one summer as well and learned a lot there and uh, made some great relationships and have some great faith stories that have come through that as well. Well, I know that from your story when we met back in May that... Uh, uh, Dad started Gulf Winds. Is that right? Uh, was that his business after uh, he left the shipping industry? That's correct. He was yeah. laid off at, in his early fifties with a big right. mer- merger, and uh, Gulf Winds was birthed through his four hundred one k money. Which yeah, uh, right, right. I, I remember the story. Yeah. And so, did you do some work for him? Was that during your college years? It must have been right because I think you went right into Gulf Winds after you graduated. Yeah. Well, we were starting literally r- right as I graduated. You were okay. Got uh, it. So it was even so, before that. So it was, it was outside. So, so was it a foregone conclusion that you'd go to college? Did, did mom and dad go as well? Yeah, it was a foregone conclusion. My mom had gone to nursing school. I think my dad was the first, uh, might've been the first college uh, student on his side of the family, but he was in Vietnam as well. And right. uh, ultimately, uh, yeah, I always assumed that I would go to school. I never yeah. even thought I would go somewhere else. Austin State uh, was that a uh, your first choice, and and where you where you wanted to go straight away, or what what made you kind of pick to go there and study marketing? You know, honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, yeah. at the time. You know, I had a long term girlfriend, and uh, it was a place where, uh, frankly, we we went, and I had other friends going there. A lot of folks from our my high school that decided to go there, and so. Uh, I'd like to say that I had a big plan and that God was going to work that out. But reality was I was kind of just a 17 year old graduated at 17, just trying wow. to figure out what, you know, what God wanted from me and yeah. uh, didn't even know that he would introduce himself to me a few years later. Right. So you came to the Lord while you're in college. Is that correct? Or was that after, after uh, graduating? Well, I prayed to receive Christ uh, as a senior in high school. Uh, oh, right. That was af- after my, my grandfather had told me I needed Christ. and right. uh, But really, I didn't surround myself. I really had no Christian models around me that that gave me the discipleship that I really needed. That's not an excuse, just a reality. I didn't yeah. really have uh, folks that were, even those that were claiming Christ, really weren't living a life that now I would say is uh, directed by Him. Mm-hmm. So I uh, mm-hmm. went off to school, joined a Sigma Chi fraternity uh, a couple years in, and uh, so kind of just did the normal college thing. But in right. hindsight, I can see where God put people in my path that uh, sort of guided me a little bit. I had a workout partner in college that had been in the Marines, and <clears throat> he'd been saved through a near-death experience that he had wow. after, after he got back, and uh, he would pray before we worked out. And I just remember a couple of things. Number one was, you know, he worked out really hard and uh, he was just a great partner uh, during that time to 
uh, to work out with. But more importantly, he took time to pray and talk to me. And uh, I wasn't even really that spiritually inclined at the time. But I just remember that that kept me out of a lot of late nights because he always wanted to work out at like 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so it, it did It did create a level of discipline in me. Uh which was great. And when he graduated, uh, he had actually started a little uh, training routine where he trained a couple of the, one of the business owners in town that was, mm. in, so he basically transferred that responsibility to me whenever oh. he left. So that gave me All a right. little bit of way to do something that I enjoyed, but also help people. Yeah. Awesome. And, and then graduated first job out of college, as, as we mentioned earlier was, was with Gulfwind. So mom and dad got that started. Did they have any employees beyond you when you joined at that time? No, they opened in April. We had one customer, one location, wow. and, wow. uh, I graduated that summer. So went to work, uh, late that summer. And, uh, you know, we were still a very small company at the time. Yeah. Uh, my dad actually, there were a couple of other people that were involved. One gentleman that I had worked for in the summer, who was our general manager of warehouse operations. And then mm-hmm. uh, my dad's partner, who he gifted 50% of the company to uh, with no financial investment, uh, which that played out later, right. uh, who was really the the guy that was doing some of the operational uh, stuff inside as it related to trucking and warehousing. My dad was really kind of the face, more of the sales end of the business. Right, uh, right business development. So yeah. did, do you get into leadership positions pretty early on as you did your rotation from forklift operator to inventory control and the other types of things that's, uh, that you did in those early days? Well, in, the, in a small business, you have to do a little bit of everything. That's right. So, yeah. so for me, it was, like I said, working for me was, was never a, wasn't a hard thing as far as I just felt like this is something and we're investing in for the long haul. And I remember sweeping, you know, we had a 75,000 square foot warehouse that we were leasing right out of the gates. And, you know, we had to sprinkle the floor and, and with floor sweeps and, and mm. actually hand sweep it. And uh, right. just some crazy things early on, we, we had to keep it really clean because we were storing green coffee. So we were food grade. I remember our yeah. general manager warehouse operations would put me on a man lift and he would lift me up and we would, my job was basically clean the cobwebs out of the, the rafters <laughs> because if you get spiders, they can take your permit and then you're out of luck. So, right, right. Uh, but he made it so fun. Uh, you know, he would, it was so hot and, and tiresome, but he would, uh, he'd call it surfing the web before that was a reality. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. What were some of the earliest lessons that you learned from, from mentors like that in the organization? I think just have fun, work hard mm. and uh, enjoy what you're doing. And, and that's something for me, like I said, that I never really disliked work, so to speak. So uh, for me, it was about, you know, we, everyone has to work. So why not have fun while you're doing it? And right. if you can surround yourself with some people that uh, do that. And certainly uh, Bruce taught me that early on, that you can be digging a ditch, unloading a hundred degree <laughs> container of coffee with 130 pound sacks. And as long as you're la- cobwebs. <laughs> yeah, laughing, and if you can laugh in the process it's amazing what that does to your mentality and your ability to keep going. And, uh, and I always look to the sort of the future, if you will, that, Hey, we're building something here and uh, didn't know that have any idea how, where it would be today, but certainly uh, every little step was important along the way from customer service to safety and dispatch and uh, all the little things that, that went into it. It was kind of a, again, one day, Hey, wear your jeans today. And the next day, mm. may, maybe make a sales call. So you have to do a little bit of everything in a small business. Do you remember the first time you started managing people, Todd? Looking back, 
fairly early on, uh, I started being involved with some of the hiring. And uh, so it was, once you start hiring people, then you're kind of responsible for them. So, That's right. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was uh, that and probably on the customer service side is where I started to have a little more influence, if you will. Part of that was we were you know, starting with some new technology and different things. And not that I was by any means a technology expert, but you have to remember at that time, email was just coming out and right. the internet was getting big. Uh, so it was all new. And I had just come out of school. So I was probably the closest in age to at least mm -hmm. being a little more mm -hmm. comfortable with that. Right. And so I kind of got thrown into the role kind of by default of uh, the guy that was going to be the computer guy in the company. <laughs> and so... That that was probably the that customer service side is probably where I initially first saw leadership opportunities, and then uh, on the sales side, obviously producing sales and then helping others to do the same. Right, right. Well, the company went through a pretty major transition early on, as I recall from your story. Tell us a little bit about that when when your dad began to have some health problems. Well, that was that was really I wouldn't say it was early on; it was a little bit later. Uh, but we went probably 15 years with, 15 you know, years. Mm -hmm. yeah, about 15 years into the business. And uh, really, the, it was more than just the health issue that had come up at the time. Uh, the bigger deal was the partner that my dad had gifted uh, the stock to had basically decided that he wanted to <clears throat> move on. And mm -hmm. uh, he didn't come out and say that. And so it was difficult because, you know, we wanted to, he wanted to value the company. And so we went into this with the idea that we're just going to see what the company's worth. And ultimately that led to uh, just a lot of stress and challenge mm. because with a 50, 50 partnership, you're really at a crossroads and uh, he wanted we, to be bought out basically. Ultimately that's what yeah. it came down to, but yeah. that wasn't put forward that way in the mm. beginning. And so, yeah. and so it led to some heartache on both sides and, and some very uh, stressful times for sure. And uh, my dad in the process was diagnosed with uh, leukemia. Wow. And so obviously all of that coming together at the same time put a lot of pressure on me because I'm the only child thinking, man, you know, I've been president in training at this time and I've got a mom and dad who are, you know, very committed to the organization and uh, I need to take care of them being the only child and what's, right. this, what's that going to look like? And at the same time, my faith walk, you know, had really taken off over the last several years. And yeah. so my real love and passion obviously was the gospel and seeing a what, lot what of what was the what was kind of the the moment when that took place? Uh, you know, you mentioned that it had gone on for some time before you encountered these problems. What was kind of the uh, the event where you kind of be, really began your faith walk? Well, I was invited by one of the guys I played football with in high school to mm. a men, men's Bible study. And for the first time in my life, uh, I started reading the Bible for myself and realized, wow, uh, God can actually speak through this word to me right. personally. And uh, I'd, be at, I'd be at church and the pastor would be talking about the same thing I was studying. You know how the Holy Spirit starts to work on a person mm. and really speak to their heart. And so I was convicted that I'd never really stood for Christ. I knew I had kind of mal to prayer. But ultimately, I, I was not standing for Christ. And I was newly married a couple of years in and thinking, man, this marriage thing's harder than I thought too. And, uh, you know, right. so ultimately, uh, a pastor was preaching a message called God's going to give you opportunity and you have to seize the moment. And mm -hmm. I remember, never forget, just looking at her, feeling a deep conviction over 
uh, just the fact that I need to stand for Christ and and I haven't done that publicly and I need to be baptized. And so I literally stood mm-hmm. up out of my pew that day and walked forward. And from that moment on, literally, uh, I was baptized. I shared my testimony publicly uh, just about God's work in my life. And it was in Humble, Texas, uh, at a Baptist church there. And a lot of the people in the audience had known the Todd before and they saw the Todd after and and it was highly transformational for me and for those around me. So uh, from that point on, literally, uh, I was kind of shot out of a cannon and started sharing my faith. How long did it take you to invite the Holy Spirit into Gulf Winds from that point on? Not long at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was Amen. I was very I was so convicted that other people needed to know Christ and yeah. just the joy and the peace that He had brought to me personally. And so I literally started sharing. Uh, I would say right out of the gates. And uh, that started with just small conversations with people at the office that that I knew. And uh, amazingly, uh, people started saying yes. Mm. And and that shocked me because I was <laughs> I was by no means a Bible scholar. In fact, I, I didn't know the least You're thing. You were a new Christian. Yeah. I was a brand new Christian. Uh, but God fixed that as well. He A guy at church actually asked me to t- help co-teach with him. Wow. And I thought, man, I can't do this. I don't know that. I mean, I, I wasn't in Sunday school, you know, I, right, I'm just right. and and but but out of my mouth and my in my spirit, you know, my mouth was saying or my spirit was saying no, but my mouth said yes. Mm. And so God really grew me up in a hurry. And I would be literally be up till one or two a.m. studying. I'd have to read the book the night before. Uh, you know, I was really putting in the hours preparing for the lessons that I did teach every other week. And awesome. I th- what was awesome is it grew me up faster yeah, than, yeah. than most. And my passion began to grow even more. So God has a way of catching you up and giving the years back that the locust ate, right? All right. There you go. So fast forward to this transitional period, both with the partner and with dad's health, you know, uh, how was Christ involved in that effort? How did you kind of invite God in to help you through what was probably a very stressful time? Well, I had joined C12 uh, by that time, which was, I think I joined C12 in 2012. And uh, obviously... Uh, and, and for those that are listening that don't know C12, C12 is a, a group, a peer advisory group of CEOs, business owners, and uh, folks that uh, have a commitment to Christ. And, and gosh, we're about 2,600 members worldwide now, I think, with a couple of hundred or 150 different groups. It's a, a fantastic organization. And, and, and how many years have you been involved now, Todd, with C12? Uh, since 2012. 2012. Okay, cool. Join the organization. Yeah, so that it came around uh, really at a great time because that was about the time, and that was God's doing as well. That was about the time that I needed someone to talk to. You know, I had right. my dad, my dad on one side that I was trying to figure out. You know, what we were going to do there. Uh, my dad, by this point, had come to the Lord. He had been saved Amen. and baptized at 58. So that was my greatest, one of my greatest joys to yeah. see that. Uh, so he was on board with me and the partner was kind of going a different direction. And so it was really pretty clear the divide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was either going to be, we're going to continue the company and the mission that we have. And, and by this point, you know, we were giving to ministries and we'd been taking people on mission mm-hmm. trips. And so I was all in. And then all of a sudden there's this huge wrench that's thrown into the equation. And I'm thinking, I can't believe this is happening because God is doing so much. Right, and, right. and so I was highly convicted that, that no, he wouldn't, God wouldn't build this thing to this point for me to turn around and just 
take a buyout. And so, uh, but that that was easier being said than done because obviously when you're 50-50 partnership, there's a lot of challenges. So right. I, I confided a lot in uh, my C12 chair and mm-hmm. uh, we, we began to pray and they prayed, had a lot of people praying fervently that knew where I was and what I was dealing with. And and so I prayed through it, and I remember uh, a lot of late nights and sleepless nights. And uh, I remember God giving me a, a passage of scripture, and uh, basically that brought real clarity to the reality that uh, there's no way we could sell this business, and, and that I really needed to separate from this partner. And so ultimately, uh, I began to pray that God would provide a way, because with a partnership like that, it's nearly impossible. And so for me at the time, you know, I just began to pray, Lord, there's, there's nothing I can, I can ultimately do to stop this. You're going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we prayed fervently for a good period of time. Uh, meanwhile, dad was, you know, going through his issues with yeah. health. And, and so one day I came, I literally, I was the kind of the front man for uh, all the private equity guys that came in. And so I took them on the tours and showed them all of what we were doing and, uh, we got a huge offer for the business. And I thought, man, it's just, you know, what do I do? I'm at a crossroads. And on one right. side, on one side, if I'm, if I'm honest, you know, there was a big part of me that said, gosh, do I just take the money and, and take care of mom and dad and, and just get away from this whole situation. Right. And, but my spirit just would not allow that. And, mm. and ultimately uh, he, the partner showed up in my office one morning, we hadn't even really been speaking. And he said, uh, I don't think we should do it. Wow. And we were 30 days from close. As it, oh my gosh. As it turns out. You were out, selling the whole thing. The company was was literally moving to private equity. Well, we would have still been involved, but right. but minor, yes, it, it was a big ownership. deal. That's right. Yeah. We wow. would have given up uh, majority ownership. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so just God answered the prayer and that gave me a boldness that really uh, I needed to say, okay, for me and my dad, okay, we're not heading that direction. Now the gate's been closed so we can now move forward full steam with what we want to do. And, uh, but that also meant what we didn't realize was that's going to mean we have to figure out a buyout path for For the the partner. partner. Yeah. Cause, cause we, we tried it for a little while, but yeah, ultimately yeah. we knew it wasn't going to work. And so, uh, and you're eventually able to, to get that in agreement with him. Well, that's correct. Yeah. 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 Cool. Great, great story. Tell me a little bit about how your leadership styles evolved over time. You, you've been with the company now, we won't say how many years, but <laughs> I know it's gotta be 20 plus. Yeah. When did you take over the presidency? What was that when dad officially passed and, or had you, were, were you doing the day to day while he was still ill? Yeah. I took over as president in 2012. Okay. And at the same uh, time you joined C12. Yeah, around that same time. So again, it was perfect timing, uh, just putting people around me that could, you know, speak uh, good counsel into my life, godly counsel, and uh, just help me in that area. So uh, yeah, that was uh, when I took over. And, you know, really, I'd been, we have a great young team that had been really operating at a high level for some time. Mm. And so in some ways, I had already been doing a lot of it anyway. My dad had kind of already stepped right. out. He was traveling more with my mom and, uh, you know, they were getting older and wanting to kind of get back some of those years, uh, yeah, enjoy their lives. Yeah. And, uh, even the partner, he was out quite a bit, you know, he was playing golf a couple of times a week. So he just wanted to touch base enough to know where the business was and that, right. that finances and things were right. But, uh, we had already in, in a lot of ways been running the business, so to speak, mm-hmm. and, and in particular driving sales for some time. So I think, uh, you know, from that perspective, for me, honestly, the big part was, 
the bigger part was just, you know, actually officially getting the title from my father and mm-hmm. uh, figuring out, you know, I knew kind of where we wanted to go. It's funny, I, as we were moving recently from one office to another, I found an old email that I had sent to my dad and his partner back in 2007. So this is five years before I took over as president. Wow. And uh, I've got it hanging in my office because <laughs> there's seven things here that I talked about that I wanted to see. Uh, and it's what's awesome is that most of it has come to fruition. And uh, wow. yeah, so it's neat to to see how God kind of puts a vision in your heart. And in time, uh, he sees that through when you're faithful, yeah. obviously. But it doesn't Amen. mean it's not, not without a lot of pain and suffering along <laughs> the way. And a lot of hard work, right? Right. That's right. You know, uh, family-owned businesses, uh, you know, company cultures are extremely important. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of what's unusual or unique about, you know, the Gulf Winds culture and, you know, what people talk about with regards to the wow of working there. Well, I think the first thing that that people think about when they think about Gulf Winds is probably the mission. Uh, mm. You know, our mission is to glorify God by providing world-class logistics services through continual investment in our people, our clients, our community, and the world we live in. And so uh, I think if you ask our customers and other people, I think we provide excellent service across the board. Uh, mm. We're very committed to that. But at the same time, we're really known for being different in the sense that uh, we really do stand uh, on a firm foundation uh, of faith in our business. And so mm-hmm. we've got, we do a lot of work in the community, uh, volunteer work. We we give 10% of our profits to uh, non nonprofits. We've planted about 200 churches and hope centers in around 27 countries. Uh, so there's there's a long list of things that we do uh, that that are probably a little bit unusual for most in corporate America. And so mm-hmm. for me, that's my greatest joy though, is, uh, you know, the bene- we have a benevolence fund for our employees that, you know, that we do anonymously. Um, so there's, we have a weekly Bible study. All this has obviously been built over time. Right. Uh, I always tell people that, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but, but you can do something. And uh, right. Right. We, we take our people on mission trips and we've seen some life change and people get saved on those trips. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have marketplace chaplains that come in. Uh, we implemented right now media this past year. And so uh, we just try and, we try and love people well. And, uh, but really I, I want to do two things, right? I want to, we have to have an excellent business and that gives you a, a wonderful platform but I want to be bold for Christ. And that's, that's what God's called me to do and allowed me that opportunity. Amen. How many employees today? Uh, we've got about 170 employees. Yeah. Uh, we have 450 uh, owner operators or truck drivers that we operate wow. between Houston, Dallas, Mobile, Memphis, independence, and, right? and New Orleans. They're independent, but they work exclusively for exclusively Gulf Winds. And we yeah. probably have another, another 70 that work in Houston that are also contract labor. Right. Right. Fantastic. What do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in to come work for you? Well, I think obviously uh, they have to, obviously they have to have skills to do the job, but, mm-hmm. but the big, the bigger picture for, for me personally has always been character uh, looking for people that, that I believe can support the mission. And uh, in fact, I got a phone call today. I was really excited about, it. I was talking with uh, the lady that does a lot of our design work right. and uh, she'd been working with some of our our, mid, our upper level managers across the company. And she made this comment to me. She said, Todd, one of the things that I'm hearing internally that, that you'll be encouraged with is that uh, what we're seeing now in our hiring process is that people are coming to us when they ask the question about our mission, they're coming to us because of our mission. 
They've nice. already done the research. They know what the company's yeah. about, and uh, they want to work here because of the faith-based culture. So That's that fantastic. that for me is huge. Has not yeah. always been that way. We don't right. have. Right. I don't want to paint a picture that we have. You know, this company of just all Christians. That's not the case. We definitely have those that are not believers. But when you love people well, you treat them well, and you give them opportunity. It's kind of hard not to like that. And so <laughs> that's right. It becomes so, very attractive, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. And so yeah. I've got some people here that that obviously uh just love the way that we treat people. And uh I think that, you know, obviously that's what being a, a follower of Christ is all about, is loving people as Christ did. And and that involves sacrifice and a lot of other things. But uh I think people appreciate just uh the basics, right? Just treating you with respect Absolutely. and and trying to do the right thing. You talked about character and, you know, that's such a hard thing to get at in an interview, right? So how do you kind of get to that? You know, if you had just a few minutes with someone, let's say it's not a direct report, but, you know, maybe one of your uh, direct reports says, hey, you know, I'm really excited about this guy, but I'm not sure. Would you spend five minutes with him? And, you know, if you kind of dug into the character issues, how, what, what kind of questions would you ask? How would you kind of get at that, um, that evaluation of character that you mentioned earlier? You know, I think I'd love to take credit for this, but I'm going to give credit to somebody else because I asked a recruiter the same question one time and I stole his question. But basically, <laughs> basically what I ask is, you know, tell me your life story. Mm. Uh, and as people are talking, generally, we all have a story. And I think so much of our who we are as a person today comes from how we were brought up. Uh, did we have a mother and father that were present? Uh, did both parents work? Uh, did I have a support structure uh, in that? Were they abusive? Were they not? It's amazing what people will will tell you if you just ask them about themselves. And I think as you hear their story, you you have an opportunity to to make that call. And I think mm. the big thing we look for is humility. Humility, uh, yeah. And, and that's that's a big one for us because uh, you know if you're prideful, that that leads to foolish decisions and uh, foolish actions a lot of times. And you know it's hard because in an interview on one side you're trying to impress. Right. Right. But the reality is, is you want to do that in a manner that's humble. Uh, and so, you know, looking for, are they giving other people in their lives credit for things? Are they, um, are they saying the right things? Are they involved in a church? Do they, mm. or if they're not a believer, uh, do they have a uh, passion that they follow? Are they, do they love animals? Are, integrity. Yeah, are they committed yeah. to whatever that might be in their particular sphere? Great stuff. Well, Todd, you've been very generous with your time and we're just about out of it, but we do have one last question. We always ask uh, the CEOs in our podcast and that's, you know, kind of what career and life advice would you give to someone that's listening that maybe has their eyes on the corner office or maybe is going to take over a family business or, you know, is kind of struggling between what do I do, you know, when I get out of college? What's, what's, uh, what are your words? Words of wisdom for someone looking forward? Well, I just think be prepared to work really hard. Mm. Uh, don't allow the, don't allow challenges to set you back uh, or get you off track of whatever that vision might be. And I think any great, any great accomplishment always involves sacrifice of mm. some sort. And so be willing to sacrifice for those around you. I think anytime we do that as leaders, uh, it just makes people want to follow. And if you're, everyone thinks that the person in the corner office is the one that kind of gets all the perks, but the reality is uh, really you're the first one to sacrifice if something goes wrong. And uh, and so 
you know, companies are built on sacrifice. Uh, I look back and I think about getting out of college. I made $250 a week. Uh, <laughs> that was my paycheck. And so yeah. I have, I have it hanging on my wall in here. And, uh, my father didn't take a paycheck for a couple of years. I remember my mother in tears, you know, working as a nurse, trying to provide for us and, uh, and us, that was a faith journey for us. Yeah. And, and, and things don't always work out like you anticipate, you know, so uh, enjoy every day. You know, my mm -hmm. dad, uh, I miss him, you know, like crazy. And he, uh, you know, he thought he was going to have a lot of years uh, to enjoy, you know, what, what he worked really hard for. And the reality is uh, God had other plans yeah. and, you know, we've accepted that. And, uh, you know, it's certainly it's built my mom's faith and her strength as well. But uh, I just think there's a whole lot involved in, in, people, the people side, if you want to work on one thing to be successful, uh, love people well and, and work on how to, how to promote those around you. And I think, you know, I read this morning, I was reading, uh, the scriptures this morning and I think I posted something on the fact that the way up is down hmm. and, and you just got to be willing to serve people. And I think all my summer jobs and the fact that I worked with a lot of people that didn't have much, uh, I just love talking to the the low person on the totem pole, so to speak. And the more you can do that, the higher your organization will go. I really think as you take care of the people at the bottom of the organizational chart, uh, that really dictates how high you can buoy the full organization. So true. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus, right? We need to follow. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, even to quote my dad who came to Christ at 58, he said, my marriage is better in my 60s son than it was in my 30s because of, <laughs> because of Christ. And, and, and Jesus has made all the difference in my life. None of the things that I said in this interview would be done today if we would not be doing the work we're doing in the community. We would not be doing the overseas mission work. All these people that have seen such life change and such marital restoration, uh, none of that would be possible apart from Christ. And so I do believe He is the answer uh, to the world's problems. I've seen uh, so many people just restored, renewed, and uh, again, not without great challenge and struggle. But when you have peace in the struggle, uh, there's just nothing that can replace that. And I've buried employees and friends and uh, family members myself, and I just know that uh, that only God can can give us what we need at the right times, and that only comes that peace only comes through Christ. There's there's no way around it. Well said. Todd Stewart, president of Gulf Winds International, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and your journey into the corner office. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.